There is no opening quote for this episode. His name is Craven. He likes white ravens. And he will always use them to reduce your gold. His name is Dave. He cancels saves. He likes to make the opposition have bad days. His name is Tom. He plays for fun. And if you beat him then he'll punch you in the face. It's the UK's fantastic podcast. This episode's the worst, so it's probably the last. With unopposed to claim banter. It's banter behind the throne. Hello and welcome back to Banter Behind the Throne. I'm Dave Bamford and this is episode 87. We're not speaking in French this time, much to Peel chagrin. Of course, Peel is back. Say hello, Peel. Bonjour. We're also joined by, <laughs> by, by our lovely other host, Mr. Tony Makos. Say hello, Tony. Bonsoir tout le monde. Oh dear. And we are also joined by Alex O'Feeworth. Say hello, Alex. Oh, hi, Ogazaimas. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Japanese man. <laughs> Japanese. <laughs> I hope that was actual Japanese and not just a. No, like... no, it was good morning in Japanese. Okay, that's fine. I did two years of Japanese university. Okay, then uh, I'll accept that. That's fine. We don't need to uh, edit it out for, for taste reasons. So today <laughs> we are going to talk about Tony's Martel cohort deck very briefly, as we discussed it last episode, but I have had the chance to play it and Tony has had the chance to play it as well more mm. even uh, and then we're going to discuss the Aldershot regional which we uh, Alex and I went to at the weekend uh, and Alex came second with a Stark deck and that is interesting because Stark were bad and now they're good what happened mm. oh. watch this space uh, and then we'll probably talk about Blackwater Bay and then we will see where we end up after that who knows the possibilities are broadly speaking endless so before we get started, Peel, how are you? I haven't seen you in so long. I'm very well, Dave. I'm, I'm very well. Um, as I was explaining to Tony a minute ago, I've been working on becoming a um, medieval knight. Um, because that was what surprising. the hell else did. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, some people think knights are all about the, the knighting and all the rest of it, but in reality, you can be a dick as well. So, um yeah, I would recommend Kingdom Come Deliverance. That's all I'm going to say. Would yeah. thoroughly recommend it to everyone. To be fair, if you want an example of knights being dicks, just look at Sword of Camelot, the uh, musical by DreamWorks. <laughs> Never seen it. Ah, oh, shame. Great tunes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we are partial to a bit of a musical here at Banter. Get in there. Yeah. Uh, okay. How did you did you enjoy the football bill? Because of course we haven't seen you since spoken to you since before the European Championships. Yeah, so, I uh, went away for a little while. Um, <laughs> I went away and hid uh, in a hole um, <laughs> just to hide from the media for a bit. Because so to be honest, like as as I'm sure you can appreciate, anyone who lives in the UK um, or in in England specifically, the only reason everyone was so excited was because just how much other shit comes up in our news every day. It's just like, oh, for Christ's sake. You're, like, you're just watching and just going, well, that, that's pretty much what it's like now. Um, so uh, it was a nice, pleasant distraction from that crap. So you notice how I didn't reference any names or anything political in that? Yeah, no politics, just that there there have been sad things in the news. That's fine, you can say that. We won't, we won't yeah. talk politics over. We don't want this to be a partisan, uh, partisan podcast. 
Not in disagreements. Okay. But you're okay to support the English football team, yeah? Well, obviously. <laughs> well, Scotland don't have a football team, so this is, I don't know who else. This is partially true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have you seen that there's a metric for measuring who would be the world champions if the world championship title changed like like a wrestling belt? So every oh. time you did like a, a ranked match, for want of a better term, uh, the winner would take the title from the previous belt holder. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, and because like England and Scotland were so prolific in the late 1800s and early 1900s, we're like <laughs> right at the top. <laughs> I don't know if we're actually at the top. But I have a feeling England's at the top and Scotland's like fourth or something. Excellent. All I remember is that isn't it true that after the the first game England played after the 1966 World Cup final was against Scotland and Scotland thrashed them? That's that's where it started. That's where this yeah. uh, belt thing started. Yeah, uh, I've got to say I uh, really like football. Really enjoyed watching the World Cup. But one of the things that I like to turn on every now and then when I really feel like it is a um, film called The Beautiful Game. Um, it's the story of football set to music, and it's just wonderful. Like the songs, the acting, it's brilliant. The choreography of the dance sets, it's unbelievable. People don't seem to realise it exists, which is quite funny. But well, there's a football st- musical. No, but that's that's because you only really need one football film, and that's Escape to Victory. <laughs> that's the only football film that really ever needs to be made. What about Bend It Like so, Beckham? What about Bend It Like Beckham? That's got Keira Knightley in it. Yeah. What about young in that? How young is she in that? Doesn't that fucking Sylvester Stallone in it though? Does it? Too young <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> was she alive when Diana died? I think she was, but like proportionally. One <laughs> minute, Kira. Does that mean like when you develop a certain proportion, you're considered know. alive? But like in that, she's younger. So you look at her in that age now, and then if she was like 20 then, 20 years ago now, she was born. But after Diana died she's out of bounds maybe but isn't she like <laughs> 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 you know the rules very long. yeah I know the rules but still <laughs> if she's born after Diana she's out of bounds <laughs> she doesn't remember the heartache <laughs> this isn't politics the rules are politically neutral what if you were born again Christian no. what, what about what, what, what how does that well, come like, into that begins again <laughs> Oh right! Oh god! Well, personally, no, we don't count for me, so okay. it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, Tony, I've got the uh, the all-time unofficial football World Cup rankings up as of 11th of July 2008. 18, sorry. Oh, and, hang on a minute. Uh, ranking at number one is Scotland <laughs> <laughs> with 149 like championship matches and 86 victories. Amazing. So congratulations, guys! Uh, England second, Argentina, the Netherlands, Russia. Wow. Uh, yeah. Those scrubs French are uh, <laughs> joint 10th with Uruguay. So, awful. God. So, obviously, whoever plays France next, yeah. if they win, they become the unofficial world champions. Yeah, it's winner, st- it's winner stays off. It is. Yeah. I, I think, though, because sometimes the uh, the winner will not... Sorry, the champion will not lose a game, but will still fail to qualify for a World Cup. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because they yeah. could draw all their qualifying games. So sometimes yeah. it's not actually um, up for grabs at a World Cup, but normally the winner of the World Cup, or they could draw all their games in the group stages and therefore not lose, mm. go out but not lose the title. But uh, yeah, according to this, France are the current, current holders. 
Uh, Scotland haven't held a title since March 2007, uh, which is actually more recent than I'd expect. Uh, and England haven't held it since uh, June 2000. So, yeah, that's quite a long time ago. Anyway, coming home in two years. Yeah, that's quite enough football. It, it literally Four. is coming home because um, the semis and the final are played at Wembley. Of the Euros in two years, and so are some group games. So yeah, there you go, lovely. So let's move on from football. That's two weeks mm-hmm. we've uh, we've started with that. Uh, that's enough for. <laughs> well, for reference, she was she was over eighteen when she did Ben and I Beckham. <laughs> Good to know. I know that I know that's gone now, but it took me a while to track back through her filmography, figure out how old she was when she got a nipple out in the hole, and then work <laughs> from that. As opposed to just. Go to the Wikipedia pages for both Kieran Knightley and Bennett Lloyd Beckham and comparing the dates. Well, she was. Yeah, I, I didn't think of that one. But on the other side, <laughs> you got to a conclusion. You uh, start with no nudity and you work backwards. <laughs> that is how these things work. So, once you've done nudity, you have to be over a certain age, and everyone. So it would be irresponsible for them to, to advertise it. How old is Uma Thurman in Dangerously Azons? I don't know because I just want to well, know if that breaks the Diana rule as well. Is this not on your list? Do you know? I assume you have a list at this point. What of nude 1997 actresses? Uh, yeah, you can hear him typing away. <laughs> 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 yeah. She wasn't that old, but oh, God, they, what's dangerous liaisons? What ninety? Duh. It's early nineties. She was born in 1970, so she should have been old enough. There you go. She's her first film was Baron Munchausen. It was Adventures of Baron Munchausen, and that was 87, so she was 17 in that, which means... No, that was 1988. Her first film was 87, Daddy Goodnight. So there you go. If what you're concerned about is whether she was of a legal age, she was a legal age in every movie that she was ever in. And Steve Buscemi was uh, in in her first film with her. Please tell me he wasn't the love interest. No, he was in... No, no. Steve Buscemi doesn't play the love interest. He plays a cameo. (laughs) Baron Munchausen is he in that I don't know he would have maybe made a cameo hmm. he was in everything back then he's in everything now That's oh, she, is it, right? she plays Venus doesn't does she play Venus she's in Venus. That? yeah she comes she's the um, she's in the shell and uh, yeah. oh yeah she's the, the, the picture Fucking in uh, that, was her, that was her first appearance in film oh, okay yeah I remember yeah that's a odd mm. so more you know <laughs> okay so Tony, do you want to recap people on your Martel cohort deck in 30 words or less? 30 words or less. Martel Alliance bullshit. Martel, host Martel Banner of the Stag uh, training with the cohort because of the Alliance agenda. It's uh, fanning about with attachments deck as all the training with the cohort decks are. Lots of icon removal. Um, lots of... That's kings- it, you're done. Icon removal, that's 30 days. 30, 30 days. Uh, 30 words. <laughs> I thought I had 30 days, not 30 words. Damn it, I was going to go on for ages. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's a fucking Martel deck fanny's about with attachments. You can imagine what it's like. I can imagine what it's like because I've played it. And uh, I was talking to Dan Mulcrone before I saw your list. Mm. And we were discussing potential Martel cohort lists. And we were wondering about Beguiled. And we wondered, you know, uh, is it worth including other zero-cost attachments just to go and get Beguiled? Yes. And the answer is absolutely yes. Fucking right. The girls are amazing because you can pop them on, trigger them, and get rid of them. Yeah. Uh, Noble Lineage and was absolute money. I yep. couldn't believe it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, Nymeria's been milked. Fine, I'll still use her. That's great. Mm-hmm. Treachery, still got a power icon. Yep. 
so many non-power icon people in the Martel stack deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other one? King's Blood. King's Blood. It was great. Money. Isn't it, it just fantastic? So I mean, I mean, people. <sighs> When you get rid of a Beguiled, when you win a shitty power challenge or whatever, you ditch a Beguiled that you've already used on the other side and pop a King's Blood onto one of your Bastard Daughters and chuck a couple of gold on it. People go, oh, what the fuck does that card do again? I got that every single time I played it. I got the, oh, what does that do again? And then they pick it up and read it and go, oh, oh shit, okay. Um, Dave took it to a, um, a tournament that we did in London on Thursday at uh, Magic Madhouse where Blackwater is going to take place um, mm. and I was walking past the tables kind of interested in what was going on and as soon as I saw the fact that Locks Away had somehow ended up on the board yes. I was like, right whatever Dave's playing I want in because this <laughs> is the money Blade into Locked Away on like a duped fucking Mace Terrell is there. <laughs> it, it, it was all a duped Drogo who had also been milked yeah. um, and uh, my opponent marched the Drogo, the Drogo because he's like, oh, he's returning to hand anyway. I was like, well, actually, he's mm. going to stay and play because I wanted to keep the milk on him. <laughs> is, is Locked Away cannot be saved? It is, yeah. Oh, it is indeed, yeah. I thought it was, actually. Well, also, it's oh, like... it's got Venomous Blade you can sack to go and get Lost Away. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see Venomous Blade all day, which was very sad because I had mm. made uh, an addition that I think we discussed on the cast last week. Uh, yes. in that I wanted to play Salador San and the uh, the JC Drummonds so mm. that I could put in well firstly non it would become non-limited economy uh, mm. if you put it into play for free and you feel less bad about sacking it and secondly yeah. because putting venomous blades into play mid challenge is really funny um especially if you can then immediately sack it to get lost away as well, lost locked away as well um mm. I saw venomous blade zero times I saw Salvo twice. Once he went to win true claim, once he was killed without participating in the challenge. Mm. Um, and I saw the Drummonds two or three times. They provided reasonable economy, and I chuck. I got rid of a Flea Bottom and a Plaza of Pride. So, Sweet. overall, Drummonds, yes. Salador needs more testing. Yeah. Have you, have you thought about the, uh, the little banter module there? Yeah, I mean, I would... <sighs> It's he he just does weapons, right? So if that weapons was the case, it's weapons and warships, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah yeah. No other fucking warships, and I don't know. Uh, there there really are only twelve barra cards in a seventy-five card deck. Like I was struggling to find the twelve barra cards uh, to put in it because I I went down the route of making a little dominance module just because they were bastards, and I thought oh, I'll chuck a couple of Gendries in. Cheeky Gendry coming in in place of adding a Martel when you won Dominance is, uh, um, and, you know, a lovely extra power. And you've got, if you don't win Dominance, you've got Bastards to spare anyway. And if you sack something that's got an attachment on it, the chances are that back, back, um, you know, have to bounce back to your hand. So it kind of that, oh, that was my kind of little barrel module for it. That it's essentially a deck full of Bastards and Sand Snakes and all the little themes that kind of run off of uh, various cards that have the Bastard trait. So. Um, yeah, the idea of popping in a blade with Salador is fantastic. And any of any attachment to basically that you can pop in, make it do its thing, trigger its thing, and then ditch it without having without it needing to still be around to do its thing is fantastic value in a cohort deck. Which is why Begals are so good, and Attainted and Condemns and the like uh, need to still be on there. So you sack them, you know, you lose their you lose their benefit, but. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I thought it was a hell of a lot of fun. Mm, uh, isn't it just? Yeah. As, as I spoke to you earlier, I'm not sure I was keen on your plot deck, but you seem... I won't I won't criticise it too much on air. Um, <laughs> and uh, but uh, it didn't it didn't really work for me, some of the plots. And... Uh, but you, you seem to have addressed that issue in uh, in your more recent work, Tony. So, so uh, that's an A star from me. Yeah, I have indeed. I mean, yeah, I, I put some effort in. It, bearing in mind the deck was built like all the best decks are built, uh, like the night before, midnight, one o'clock the night before you go to a tournament. Yeah, putting a seventy-five. It's the only card, way to do it. Yeah, putting yeah. a seventy-five card deck together was quite enough for my brain to to, to work with. And when it came to plots, I kind of went. Um, what does Marcel yes. want in a plot deck? It wants that, 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 and then when it came to actually using them, it was kind of nah, it doesn't want these at all. So I've changed out, I think, <laughs> changed out, I think three of them, and they seem to work a lot better. That that sounds about right. Um, yeah, yeah, there were some there which were just good plots, and then yeah. some of them were a bit. It's just like yes, in most Martel decks, it, it, this is really good. It's yes. just not, not this Martel this. deck. No, yeah. no, not in this. But it's still, still, still working with it, still tooling about with agenda, it. Actually, because it requires you to completely change the way in which you build um, your deck, and you've got to kind of throw out some of the old assumptions you've got and throw in some new stuff. I mean, I've tried to do a bit of experimentation with the Night's Watch build at the moment, but mm. even um, even Whammer's list it changes the way that Stark's played, so it's a really good indication of the strength of the agenda, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, a solid bit of uh, design by Florian. I'm not sure if we mentioned this last week. I can't believe I've forgotten already. Uh, Florian was on listeners' questions discussing the agenda with Whammer, so if people want to hear his thoughts on it, um, obviously the, uh, the 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 first edition Brits are very good at getting tar- card designers on their podcasts to uh, mm. discuss their new card designs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Anything more on Cohort? Nope. As I said, still still a work in progress, and I'm going to I'm playing it this weekend at a little mini tournament um, just down the road, and yeah, see how it goes. Everyone's playing Cohort now, so I imagine it'll be attachment central. It it breaks my heart that down the road isn't London. Uh, down the road is Leaf, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't, can't. I'm afraid. I'm afraid it's a wife's birthday this weekend, so neither of us will be attending the fantastic Battle of Blackwater Bay. No house cards for you, Tony. Ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> house cards are so good today. It's so good. And I've been getting... There's a, there's a couple of people here that, that have said, you're not going down to Blackwater this weekend, are you? And I don't know why I start to tell them why. And they're like, I don't care whether you... I just want to know if you're going and if you are. Can you get me some house cards? People are, <laughs> people are uh, wanting to pay for them. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you off air about that. Yeah, um, I'm sure there'll be facilities for people to get them. There is at least one Scotsman registered. So... Yeah, I'll uh, we'll discuss that later. No, okay. <laughs> Those are dodgy business dealings. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> okay. Um, with that, let's talk about a tournament which happened last weekend, which was the Aldershot re- Regional. Um, Aldershot. Peel, would you like to describe the town in um. in, in in terms that I can air? How about thirty words or less? Yeah, thirty words or less for sure. <laughs> Alex is Alex is counting. You know that I, I really need that clicker that you were talking about last week, Tony. You know, to count the milled cards. Or um, that would be useful to you know restrict you guys to or, and myself to certain <laughs> descriptions. Well, yeah, the solution is just going to have to come on every podcast because I've clearly found my one role that I was designed for. <laughs> 
So fire off 30 words to describe Aldershot. Mm-hmm. You've already used seven. 30 words? No, no. From now, 30 words. To be words fair, I only need four. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. It's a shithole. But, in fairness... <laughs> that was three words. <laughs> shithole is one word. <laughs> so we can count it as two. But, in fairness... But no, to be the game shop is fucking lovely. And it's one of these old English towns, which I'm sure was once nice, but is now dead, like Wellingborough. Wellington? Wellingborough. Wellingborough. Wellington's a shithole too, so don't worry about it. What, Wellington, New Zealand? Uh, either one. No, Wellington in Shropshire. Sure, I mean, it's, oh, right. it's more famous, yeah. cousins. <laughs> There's a lot of towns like it now, where the high street, unfortunately, has just been, I don't know, taken over by effectively bums. Um, party. I don't know. I thought there were some homeless people there, and I thought, I feel bad for them. But then they started shouting abuse at people, and then there was like a gang of them by the end of the night. So to be honest, by the end of it, I wasn't so much feeling sorry. I just kind of wanted them to leave, uh, so I didn't have to walk past Those them every time. Those were just the old five bar Literally, I asked for cigarettes like a hundred times. Uh, I didn't even have one on. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just walking past, like, no, I don't have a cigarette. Please go away. They came, came up to you outside the shop. Anyway, go on. I was going to say, were you there when there were some preachers outside? Religious preacher, yeah. Yeah. Where he's basically well. saying that all gay people are going to burn in hell and all this shit. Yeah, are you lighting a fag? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to not smoking? You hadn't been smoking for like a year. Well, he just mentioned yeah, how... Yeah, but then I started with working in a bar again. Unfortunately, when, you're, when you work in a bar, Dave, you realise that there's only one way to get a break. Um, and that is become a smoker again. Uh, the Aldershot Regional was a lovely little event, 37 players. Uh, it was TO'd by the wonderful Martin Lewis. If you ever need him to do any uh, voice acting work, he uh, he does some for a, a Song of Ice and Fire lore podcast, which the name escapes me. Uh, and he, he does, does a, a lovely job. Yeah. He does like the Astronomy of Ice and Fire. He also does the Astronomy? History. Yeah, he does the Astronomy of Ice and Fire, which is... The astronomy is the one that's about like star science the and stars stuff. Science There's a podcast about the astronomy of ice and fire. Yeah, and he does some readings for well, it, and also the history. Everyone, of we've we've taken we've taken this series too far. I think we just need to kill it now. <laughs> when we started looking <laughs> yeah. at astrology and astronomy, it's yeah. just that, astrology that's of the um, a fictional land is always tough to write about. Um, it's, all about it's very similar to horoscopes. Really? Yeah, and it's like one of the most popular podcasts. Like Martin pimps it all the time. That's that's too that's too much for me, and I I love a bit of Thrones. I'm not going to deny hey. that. Well, I'm just all I'm going to say. We're talking about like niche podcasts, and we have got like eight podcasts dedicated to a card game. Yeah, but at least a card game evolves. percent of the planet plays. Yeah, but like you know, a card game it evolves. It's exciting. It's a game. The astronomy, like they haven't had any information in six years. I don't know how they do. <laughs> have you not seen the stuff? Hey guys, anything goes. Day to day basis, their mystery is yet to be unraveled. <laughs> Just let it be. Like it's Christ. Okay. <sighs> Martin did a wonderful job. One day we'll get through this tournament <laughs> report without any asides. Have Quick we ever question. had an episode where we stayed Once. on topic the it's entire on. time? Is Aldershot the one that we went to which had the um, the Buddhist centre? Which looked Absolutely awesome. Absolutely it was. Oh my god. <laughs> I really want to go to that Buddhist centre. Like It, it would be so good. It was lovely. From the outside, it's all colourful and bright and vibrant, and it's the prettiest part. And um, Well, when mate, we drove into Aldershot, we were like, that looks amazing. This town is amazing. Yeah. And then it wasn't. It, maybe we came in from the wrong side. Because, I mean, 
that spoons we went to, as far as spoons go, was relatively okay. Yeah, the spoons were alright. You know, I had a solid KFC on Saturday. All well, spoilers for the break, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was fine. You're going to edit this out anyway. No, I'm, I'm absolutely not going to edit it out. <laughs> Probably not. Leave it in. have that much to about. You should pad it as much before. as possible. Um, we, look, we ran out of content about, what, do you reckon 18 months ago, guys? It's just been padding <laughs> since then. Although... Yeah. Almost we haven't covered the Night's Watch and Tyrell factions from the corset in our corset review. <laughs> Still, really? we we've missed two of the factions. Yeah, uh, we were you know we're keeping it in our back pocket just in case we need to pull out some last minute con- content. Uh, you know, just do a, a review of the a few factions um, first impressions kind of. Thing. Well, you know what's starting off next week, because yeah. uh, the Nationals recap that year took a bit longer than we expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, due to reasons, um, and then the next episode was to do with drama that came from that Nationals recap. So uh, we had to push back our corset review. So guys, if we're ever starved for content, we've always got that corset review. Well, that's good. I mean, at least we're covered. <laughs> yeah. Cutting edge. Yeah. Um, okay. Getting ahead so, of them. <laughs> So we're at the older shop regional. <laughs> my my bit's only gonna take about two minutes. <laughs> so I was the fuck Sorry, give me one minute. Uh, taboo. There what? we go. What? What? Move on. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like Buffalo, where if you say out a word, you've got down our pints or something? <laughs> Okay, so I played my I played Tyra. No, I didn't. I played Targaryen Wars to come. It's the same deck as previously. I'm going to rush through this as quickly as possible so I don't get put off. It went okay. I went three two. The games that I won were really fun, even when George Ankers flipped barring the gates against me, and I was really really sad. But yeah. it was fine. I pulled it back. There was a really fun game against Paul Geds when he dominated me turn one. Then I flipped Valor, and that turned all my economy on. And I was like, yeah, and then didn't go very well for him. And the other game I can't remember. Oh, I played Kev. Kev was playing uh, Martel Faith Militant, and that was banter because you know Martel who cares about the downside. Faith Militant. Yeah, You're really distracting me now. Wow. But yes, yeah. Kev Richardson was playing Martel Faith Militant, um, which you know there's no downside because the Martel characters aren't going to claim power anyway, really. Mm. <laughs> um, and it just it just speeds you up a bit. And some of the characters are pretty decent in Martel to begin with. Uh, there's not too much downside from the high set, the, the high sparrow, because uh, mm-hmm. so a lot of your effects are reveal and add to hand, or you know, they're not draw. Door. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's good. Uh, that was really skip on. Um, Brothers Robes is a really good addition to that deck because it's basically soft control in a faction that loves it. So it's more ways of controlling your opponent's options and limiting what they can do. So it seemed like a really good deck. There was a wonderful play where he's playing Rebecca. And uh, uh, he, they, they finished challenges, and he was a couple of power behind. He lost dominance. He used Song of the Seven to steal two power. Beautiful. Uh, and then he knelt his Septon Meribold to stand her Winterfell steward, using the brother, the, the brother's robes to mm-hmm. blank seized by the guard, so that he could trigger his bone wave for three power, which gave him a mod win. Amazing. And uh, we were watching it and just like, there's a lot of thinking for what should be a really simple pass. <laughs> and then he suddenly won it and we were just like, that is fantastic. And it was like 5-4 at time. But it was 
Oh, it was beautiful. Uh, I was very sad that Kev didn't do better. Um, when he played against me, he set up the High Sparrow. Uh, and against this deck, which runs double counting, and counting's normally the opening plot, mm. it was quite scary. So I was like, well, I don't really know what to do here. So I opened First Snow of Winter. Um, he played out Alaria Sand, and I played Nobody, so he passed Challengers. And I brought Aegon out of Shadows to get the Kalasar. Yeah. And then um, ambushed in Kotho so I could get a two-player military and get them both unopposed. <laughs> uh, so that was pretty satisfying. There were a lot of just, oh, I've got nothing. Oh, wait, I've got six characters on the board. Lovely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's pretty fun. If you liked uh, Knights of the Hollow Hill in first edition, definitely um, try uh, try Blood Riders with a bit of burn at the moment. Because it Shenanigans. is fantastic. There are, yeah, the, um, I was playing against George Ankers. Uh, and I, at one point, I was just like, "I'm sorry, I've been sad for like five minutes, and I haven't made a decision." He's like, "It's fine, I understand how like complicated that deck is to play." I was just like, "Yeah." So I sat there for two, two or three minutes more, and then I just said, "You know, pass marshalling." I hadn't done nothing. <laughs> I was sat there with just a stack of gold, and that was a game that went eight plots or nine mm-hmm. plots, and I saw no limited economy, and I still won. Just abusing the ambush effects and stuff and getting my Aegon back from the discard pile to bolster my board and that kind of thing. It's a great game. Um, I lost to Whammer who was playing uh, Greyjoy Crossing because Whammer and Mm -hmm. top decking a dupe at exactly the right time which I'm definitely going to blame luck rather than Whammer's skill in deck building and the Mm. fact that it's a card game it's definitely just Whammer's obscene luck that lost me that game. Seems Um, fair. And then I played against Daisy in the winning in, and Daisy was paired up and I paired down, so it wasn't really ideal. You know, if he made, if he won it, he probably wouldn't make the cut, and if I lost it, I definitely wouldn't make the cut. Um, and he played as his plots: Time of Plenty, Barring the Gates, Barring the Gates, King in the North. Hmm. And at the end of turn one, I had Kotho and Missandei in my hand, and so I flipped First Snow of Winter turn two. And I couldn't put anyone to play because I only had three gold. <laughs> and then the turn three, yeah, again, barring the gates. Um, and then turn three, I was hurting a bit. And then turn four, I was like, well, I still can't trigger Kotho because he's a character. Um, but I can at least use Blood of My Blood, except for the fact that it's underneath Triss. And so I can't play it. It was a very <laughs> stressful game. Uh, it went. Quite a quite a long time, considering how fucked I was by those plots, plots basically. But it just goes to show that a good plot deck can do you wonders. Was he playing? If you're teching against Blood Riders. He was playing Wars. Greyjoy Wars. Yeah, Greyjoy Wars. Yeah. Um, which seems like a tasty little fellow. Mm. Um, yeah. And now Sport is tech, so I'm, I guess I'm going to have to. Well, he knows I'm in a podcast. It's tough. It's been on. Uh, <laughs> it's been on YouTube. Oh well, there we go. Easy. That's the only reason I knew he was playing Wars because I've seen his, uh, I've seen him beat. God, I can't remember who he was playing, but he beat them anyway. So yeah, yeah. Well, he uh, he ended up at ninth in the end. As the, it, as it turned out, it was all the four ones and above made the cut, and he was the top three two. Mm. Um, so obviously, if I beat him, I'd have made the cut. If not, oh, well, yeah, because my strength schedule would have been better. Um, but uh, he did make the cut because someone got DQ'd for an illegal deck. Um, oh, what was wrong with the deck? Uh, uh, he had a copy of the Blackfish instead of a copy of Eddard. So yeah. whilst it's you know it doesn't match his deck list rather than 
mm. being illegal. Um, Vince Wammer and I have had some heated discussions now as to what we're going to do at Blackwater, and mm. uh, we're going to announce it tomorrow. I'm, you know, if I say in advance that just make sure your deck list is right, it's not difficult. Write them the morning of. Um, there's a reason I always write my deck list hungover in the morning mm. because I'm not going to make a mistake. If I print it off Thrones DB, anything could happen. It could be old. It could. I could make a decision in the morning and forget to change it. Yeah. It's so simple mm-hmm. to make a mistake. Just write it out. Yeah. It sounds very stubborn, yeah. very just, almost like Stannis. Stannis would DQ people for de- for wrong deck lists. Um, but <laughs> they'd still be allowed a good amount of participation prizes if they did well, I think. Yes. He's the kind of guy, like, he might give out a top 16 mat even if you got DQ'd from the top 16. But he would chop your fingers off. Well, yeah, you get DQ'd and you'd lose your fingers, but you would get your mat. You'd, you'd, your collection would be destroyed. So <laughs> <laughs> the punishment fits the crime. Um, okay, so that, that was my tournament, basically. Um, anyway, I'll pass you over to Alex so he can talk about how much he likes Stark. Yeah, do you want me to um, kick off with a overview of um, how Stark, or do you want me to talk about the tournament and then get into Stark? Alex? Yeah? 30 words or less. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, to be honest. Um, on Aldershot or Stark? Both. Fuck. No, no. You Six um, total. Just, yeah. <laughs> Just jinx. Yeah, just crack on it. <laughs> okay, um, I'll start with Stark in general, my journey with Stark and how we got here, and I'll try and do it as quickly as possible. So, um, yeah, I've got work. What, work it. <laughs> despite what um, people you may have heard um, about me being a far tail man boy or other things, um, I would like to consider myself a Stark loyalist. Um, and I've been playing Stark pretty much hardcore for about a year since Aldershot 2017, basically. Um, I took a deck to um, Nationals UK um, in 2017, which um, got to top four, which is pretty much based off QT's deck. It had some changes in there to make it a bit faster, um, but it was fundamentally based around um, building up a constructive board presence to calm over Westeros so you're not really under pressure, making sure you get some important pieces down, namely Rob, Jon Snow and Eddard, maybe even Catelyn, depending on the uh, level of concern you've got, and basically having this mix of rush and police to um, either close a game out quickly if you need it and you feel you're under pressure, or have the police to uh, manage some of the more difficult control games games like against Lanny Hardcore Board Destruction mm-hmm. so Lanny Winter or something like that or Targ um, and it did really well, it got me to top 4 um, I think it was more the deck than me it was just the right thing at the right time but what we did after that is um, we realised we were kind of onto something with this rush police idea and thus Traffic Cops was born um, <laughs> which is the name we gave to the deck, um, we took it forward, um, Dan Williams who is a much better player than me although he often says that he's rubbish um, basically um, he tweaked it with me and I scrubbed out at Starlek for various different reasons one of which is I'm basically not very good sometimes and he took it to I think the top 16 um, yep. so it was, it was clearly a good idea but after Starlek I was a bit bored with playing that for understandable reasons I've been playing it for about two months and I thought that the direction of the faction was changing a bit there were some cards on the wind um, that suggested that there was going to be a change. I mean, we'd had the Roaming Wolf Pack, 
there seemed to be a bit of emphasis on wolves in general. Um, so it seemed that there was more of an aggro focus coming to the faction, and that it was moving from constructive to um, either destructive, or I think a better term would be hard control or soft control. So soft control, I would use things like intimidate or kneel. Hard control, I would just use board removal. Um, the more aggressive version of which is, you know, kill and uh, effects like that. So I started in about um, October, I would say, working on a build that pretty much focused around Bruce Bolton. Um, and the first ride that got was at Barberg Morghulis. And ever since then, that archetype has only really gotten stronger, focusing on, um, I mean, the big one that we got was Valaya, which basically means that there's no saves, which makes Roos even more impactful. Um, you've got Last Half, which boosts his strength. You've got Taste of Flesh, if you like Direwolves, but as we'll probably get into, they're just not my thing and I just don't like them. Um, but Winter is Coming is so effective. They've got um, some really good cards, really cheap, efficient cards that allow you to push through military challenges really effectively and they've had some cards that just allow you to push through those challenges in difficult circumstances um, so I am no one's been really successful in that instance so I took took out a long story short I took an aggro um, hard control deck to Euros got top 16 with it I haven't published it yet but I can confirm that it will be live once this banter airs um, so people will be able to see that it has the rather imaginative name of Stark Wars Episode 4 A New Hope um, which took me about 400 right. hours to come up with um, hopefully um, if it ever rides again we'll get Stark Wars episode 5 the Bolton strike back um, and if anyone wants to steal this idea please go ahead and create your own it's, uh, it's a fun little concept um, but that ran um, it was very atypical it ran King Rob because of all the King in the North stuff it was designed to kill Tyrell um, with Valor de Harris high claim plots plus Winter is coming um, using winter is coming and other things to push it through um, and you can read you can read more about that when it's published but once that was done it was clear that the meta had moved on Wyman is out and I think the Stark are on the ascendant I think it's fair to say that when Euros happened people hadn't necessarily clocked how good Stark were in the general kind of meta sense people were focused on Tyrell people were focused on Martel um, and for good reason those factions are fantastic and they have got a lot of cards that are eye-catching in Tier 1, but there is a solid base of Stark cards that have existed pretty much since the core set and also since um, Wolves of the North, which have allowed the faction to survive and then thrive, and they've only become more impactful because of Wyman. So Wyman is not really the secret to Stark's success at the moment. I think he is just something that has allowed people to see where some of the more powerful Stark cards lie, and I think it's in their two-cost lineup. So, moving on to Aldershot. This is a lot more than 30 words. Sorry. Sorry. It's more like 30 pages at this point. It's 30 think. concepts. <laughs> um, I will, I will and, move And that was the, the first was uh, Stark. Mm. So we're into concept two now. Okay, we'll Aldershot. <laughs> the concept of Aldershot, which was described by uh, Peel as okay, a concept fucking shithole. Um, so, um, basically... Um, I, I took this deck to um, Aldershot and it was an attempt really to resurrect the constructive Stark Traffic Cops build um, which is why it's just been published on Thrones DB. If we can talk through it, but we haven't got time probably. But if anybody wants to see it, it's saved under the name Traffic Cops 2 Wyman on Patrol. Which I'm looking at it right now. Oh, well, there you go. What? Um, 
<laughs> well, there you go. Peel's just like, oh my god, they've got the internet in Scotland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> yeah. Tra- traffic ops two, one on patrol, police academy reference, blah blah blah. Um, what we did was try and resurrect the concept of that build, which was to move quickly um, and push challenges through and use reins as a lever to basically push power through. So unlike the other Stark Reigns builds you'll see focused around direwolves, this has superior claim in it, so it immediately tells you something weird is going on. And it also focuses on the fact that Wyman triggers off any sacrifice, not just Stark characters. So you can use um, Wilding Scouts to stand Wyman, give him stealth, um, and then draw a card as a result so it just shows how brilliant Wyman is as a card um, so I started off played a couple of games um, it, things were going well I had an amazing game against Ben Royals playing Martel Wolf it shows that Martel Wolf if you if Stark ever gets to the Ascendant with this current build focused around Wyman Martel Wolf is an amazing option because if you attrition their board and you focus on limiting their options they can't trigger Wyman because they're so concerned about using him and I had a similar issue against um, Richard Walker in the cut um, I I then moved on to another game I think it was then against um, Matt Slade playing Targ Kohor which is one of the strangest decks I've ever seen it seems mm. like a glass cannon isn't it just a classic Matt Slade deck yes like oh my it's play Corset Danny load her up with attachments no. Oh, no. Okay. No. Tell me what. This was base. This was basically so. Tog Cohort. Um, apologies, Matt, if I'm spoiling your secret tech. It was a glass cannon in the sense that it seemed like complete genius, where it basically had a load of attachments that gave significant power buffs to a particular character. The problem was that character can be. He can participate in multiple challenges, so he's amazing. However. There's a slight problem in that that character dies to one of the, or rather is removed from play and bounced back to hand by one of the most prolific plots in the current meta, which is... Valada Harris. No. <laughs> Breaking Ties. <gasps> so shocking. I know. So basically it was Sir Barristan Selmy load him up with attachments and watch him go, apart from the fact that if you could trigger range, he was fucked, um, which is what happened in both our games, unfortunately. <laughs> Um, so then um, continue, continue to make my way I'm sorry to players um, I don't remember all my games because I've had about three cans of carling at this point um, they were all really good games they were all really fun um, you know there was a lot of difficulty going on the one that stands out to me the most was um, the Matt Herdman game that we played in Swiss um, which was a much better game than the cut which you'll probably see on um, the White Walkers channel but we'll get into the problems with the deck um, later on um, then continued, managed to um, make the cut had an amazing game against Daisy which was fantastic um, it, me and him really get on so it was just a friendly fun game but it was a bit of a whitewash unfortunately um, then had a game against um, Richard Walker in the top 8 to determine who was best stock ever and best stock ever won Oh, it was me. The best Stark <laughs> ever. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah apart from, apart from uh, Savvy, who, you know, actually was top Stark at Euros, but thanks mm. to Dave. What about, what about Derek Shoemaker and his granddad? Who's Derek Shoemaker and his granddad? He's the guy that designed Northern Patriarch. I thought you were going to say he's the guy that designed Stark. <laughs> he designed Northern Patriarch. <laughs> um, uh, and don't forget uh, Kid. He designed Time for Wolves. Uh, Dave, what? this was an over-exaggeration. Can we just move on? <laughs> um, so after- no, I want quantitative data. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, if any of your loyal listeners want to compile data on the star- unofficial Stark World Championships <laughs> akin to the football, we can do that. Um, and I, I- well, Kid has beat me 
So and I've beaten you. About yeah, yeah. Times. So that doesn't matter. Uh, kids like, beat so you as well. Uh, kids beating you. I was it kid? No, it's sorry, sorry, entirely. Was it? No, it was. Um, it was Derek Shoemaker that beat me actually. I played ah. Shoemaker. I haven't played Kid. I played Shoemaker, and he beat me with I a star. I think e- either of us have beat any of them, so we can't really transfer it that way. Precisely. Mm. We'll, we'll find a way. Yeah. <laughs> that sounded we'll, odd. This we'll find a way. Anyway. Um, I then had a top four game against Joel Pearson. Um, that was fantastic. Um, it was really unfortunate for Joel, really, to be honest, because he just didn't see the pieces he need. And if anybody watches that top four game, I didn't deserve to win it because I didn't play very well. Joel saw absolutely nothing and managed to make the game last far longer than it should have done. So it just shows what an incredible player he is and what a scrub I am. Um, but it clearly shows that you know one of our decks maybe drew better because it's got better cards. So what can I say? <laughs> Um, and then I had the um, final game against Matt Herdman Um, you can see that on YouTube Um, I think it would be fair to say um, that I drew absolute shit wouldn't it Dave yeah it wasn't good he mulliganed into nonsense basically about four limiteds yeah Played, and then I played drew your cards out. Three, three limiteds. It was pretty, yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was just of the first fifteen cards. It was basically all the limited cards and chuds. Yeah. Took you, you know, opening coppers and then going to turn three or four to see, like Wyman, Wyman yeah, I, or I, any I, other good character yeah, I, I, except I, the Nim that he had yeah. searched for. Yeah, and I had to play um, a ridiculous game where at one point I had to ward his um, scheming septum and then use his scheming scepter to draw a card, therefore negating the four gold investment I'd put into Ward, just to make sure that I got through another shit card in my deck so I could eventually find Wyman, who immediately got milked. <laughs> you, you did trigger him twice in Marshalling. Yeah, and that again shows what elite player I am, because I knew that he had milk in hand and went, you know what, I'm going to trigger him twice now, so I can hopefully try and find something that will allow me to deal with it. Um, but yeah, so that was it. Um, I'll talk. I'll talk through the through the deck. I mean, it was fairly simple. It was a case of using Wyman, Rob, stand your board, rather than using um, an aggressive strategy based around soft control with the wolves to intimidate people, which is what I've seen um, Richard Walker do to great effect. Chris Moosen, um, those Stark players who really really like the Dire Wolves. Uh, it's just not my thing. I've never really been able to make it work. I tried to make it work on some casual game nights at the Keys, and it wasn't my kind of thing. Aren't they playing Sweeney's deck? They are playing Sweeney's deck. They are playing Sweeney's deck. All all decks go back to first edition players. Oh, I shut up. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, basically they were playing Sweeney's deck, so they were playing first edition decks. And I like to play the new edition of the game, which is far superior in every way. So I made a second edition deck built around big characters and power rush. Um, <laughs> but basically. Um, yeah, it, it just is a case of you use Wyman as a way of triggering reins to get some versatile effects off and use those plots that are in your scheme deck when you need it. Um, but you are threatening Superior Claim, which is a card that I don't really often see in the meta at the moment, certainly not in Stark. And you threaten that on defense and you threaten it on offense. And uh, and people struggle to react to that. But the main thing that happened at Aldershot, which I think was fairly significant, is, as I mentioned earlier, I really realised that it was about a year since I'd switched from Martel. It was the final tournament that I played Martel and Dave is flapping his arms at me and I think he wants to come in here. (laughs) I was just going to mention that uh, there is a player in London, Paul, who plays Superior Claim as one of in every single one of his decks. (laughs) 
and I didn't know did that. Did you not know that? I didn't know Paul did it in every deck. Yeah, it's. I've, I've never seen a deck he's built that it doesn't have it. Hmm. Um, Such a and great it's card. particularly funny because every time I play him, I pick it as Intrigue Claim first turn. Uh, until this weekend when I played him. And I picked Support the People instead. Yeah. I was like, well, it's a winner power challenge by five event. You know, that's good enough for me. Yeah. And then he won the power challenge by five and played it turn one. Yeah. I was like, you bastard! You <laughs> had the superior claim! <laughs> but I didn't get it. I, I, honestly, I think it's a really good card. And I think Rush is potentially stronger than people realise. And I think the, the thing about Wyman that makes him fantastic is... He, as a start player, your problem has always been draw, and he gives you ways of leveraging the synergies with your cards, whether that be Winterfell Crypt or more likely Rob Stark, if you're not running kind of a weird sacrifice build. So you can stand everybody. But you've just got so many power icons, you've got so many people with renown, and you've got so many efficient two-cost characters that you can use your two-cost characters for in challenges that you think matter at that stage, sacrifice the requirement, and then go in for another challenge. So you're constantly pushing things forward, you're constantly being aggressive, you're benefiting from synergies, you're seeding flea bottom and you are getting um, cards in hand so really you are just building up a army of efficient characters from your hand from your discount pile in a way that can really only be rivaled by Tyrell at the moment and Stark have some amazing events in a way that I don't think Tyrell don't that just allow you to impact board presence and allow you to impact the game a bit more but anyway um so it's been about a year since i stopped playing martel um for reasons that are unbeknownst to everyone including me um but basically because i got bored with them and i i'm still at heart a stark loyalist i absolutely love them but calvin and i were sat at mcdonald's with florian and we kind of thought it would be a nice idea that i've been playing stark for a year that maybe i do something a bit different so we came up with the idea of basically putting a vote to the community with their older shot about what faction i should play um it was quite a tight vote um much um to my joy you know the ever caring thrones players decided to vote for the what they think are the shittest factions at the moment um so the overwhelming majority voted for one of either lannister baratheon or night's watch um mm. eventually night's watch won out so um, I've officially um, forsaken my northern brethren, um, vowed to join the watch, and uh, I'm currently bound for the wall. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to giving them a go. I'll be playing Stark um, casually still. Um, competitively, I'll also play Stark at one of either Nationals or Starlek until either A, I decide, you know, fuck this, I'm going back to Stark and I'm going to break my vows. Um, my watch did and all that. Yeah, Alex. I'm just I'm just looking at the deck here. I like the I like the deck. I like about Stark Reigns myself. Um, I've got one fundamental kind of comment about the deck, really. Yeah. Uh, just haven't had a look at it. Um, if it's a police academy joke, then it should be traffic cop. Wyman's first assignment. Oh, oh God. Wyman on, on Patrol was uh, Wyman on Patrol works only really as a kind of pun on Citizens on Patrol, which is kind of Police Academy Four, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, yeah. So you, you've got you've got to get the joke right at least. So, I mean, that's so the very very first and most important thing about naming a deck is getting the joke right. And so fundamentally, this fails. So there's two things I love there, Tony. One is the pedantry, which is worthy of Stannis himself. Yeah. Um, is how you how you interrupted my lovely heartfelt goodbye to Stark to point out, by the way, your fucking deck name is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can't you get know, the deck name and list right. 
you're not what a chance you, you would have got a DQ from that if I had noted the Blackwater <laughs> so <laughs> as Dave says we want we want accuracy we want accurate data we want empirical data um, you know you got to get the names of your deck right independently Fast. verifiable uh, yeah? data yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that that's me. Um, I'm now basically bound to play Night's Watch competitively. What I would say is this to people who are interested in playing Stark is that Stark are actually really, really good at the moment. They were good before Wyman turned up, despite what people might think. There are lots of different ways to build the faction. They are fundamentally an interactive faction. They have to really make challenges to get anywhere, I think, still. Um, I don't think Fat Cat still has the support she needs to really thrive. I've tried builds, but you're into the issue of as soon as you go up against the attrition style build, your deck will struggle. But they're a really interesting faction. I don't think they're as no fun as people say. Um, I think that you can build interesting decks out of them. And I really actually want to see what the community makes of that deck because, to be honest, I haven't got it right. Apart from the name change, which is a tragedy um, beyond all uh, understanding, the plot deck doesn't really work there's a lot of stuff in there that's fine but it's got a hard loss against Tyrell at the moment I think just because you've got to try and outrush them and unless you get a good draw you're going to struggle to do that so yeah that's Stark but really um, I think it would be fair to say that there are factions that are much dearer to all the hearts than Stark really mm. yeah as always is um, yeah, great joy this uh, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, obviously, this weekend's Blackwater. I've uh, got the Blackwater registration documents up here. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would ask you guys a couple of questions. Mm. Um, because Shoot. on the document, there are a number of free text fields at the end. Mm-hmm. And I ask everyone who registers uh, some predictions and things. Mm. So, Peel. Yes. The first of the free text fields in Blackwater. Okay. If you were to register. Yes. Do you have any comments or questions? Can I dupe the armor? You cannot. Well, you can, but you cannot on setup. Okay. If you could tear a card apart, what would that card be? Any card. Any card. The wall. Yeah? I hate it. The new one or the old one? Yeah. Either. Just any wall. (laughs) Just get rid of them. Because it encourages defensive. Just no. (laughs) I want you to come and attack me because that's how I get you down. (laughs) That's how you. They're always standing. No, because whenever you play Night's Watch with Greyjoy, you literally sat there going, "Ah, I'm not going to get anything unopposed," (laughs) and just kind of like you know, a little sigh because you know it's not going to happen because you've got to try and get through a wall of just beasts huh, mm-hmm. uh, so <laughs> what's your favourite card oh Theon little Theon presumably little Theon yeah little Theon who's going to win ah oh, um uh, a bit of advice I'm not playing so don't go for me who, who, who isn't playing out the main people uh, Vince and I are TOing, so right. they're bad shouts. So if you oh, go so down to. Is Issyan still playing? Issyan is still playing. Issyan is registered, but he's not sure he can make it. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So somebody has predicted that Vince will win. They are going to be very disappointed. 
Yeah, if he's not playing, he's not going to... I'm not sure whether... I I don't know, Tony, do you think you can do it? Oh, you're not going, fuck. Mm. Uh, Good show, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Nobody I don't know. wins. I don't know. You can't win. I'm sorry, Alex. You can't. Actually, you could. Mm, that starting there could be annoying. Is anyone playing anything extra tasty that you can think of? Because Josh will bring something that's probably made of some description in, in a way that we won't understand. I but know what but, Josh is playing, I think, and I won't spoil it here. No, that's fair. Uh, Apparently it's very good in Middlesbrough, but he doesn't know if it's very good elsewhere. Tell you what, Alex. So we'll I'm going to say Alex is going to do it. Why not? You've had a success now. You've had the hunger. You feel the hunger, and now you know your plot needed changing. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm going to point out that Alex has now gone to the loo, so mm. he he hasn't heard that, which is good because he'd have probably overreacted. Um, and which reminds me, we didn't bring the winner on, Matt Herdman, who did beat him in the final, because we don't want anyone to just because he'll just talk about Tyrell. Like yeah. wars, yeah, and we don't want to hear about that. We know what Tyrell Wars does. Stark is newer and interestinger, I guess. It's still not interesting, but it's well, it's Stark. It's got Wyman. Wyman's interesting. Yeah. Um, so which faction's going to win? Oh no, you see that? I want Greyjoy. I'm just going to say Greyjoy. I don't care. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, I know that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, that or I tell you what, Wedge has Wedge won anything big in a while? Is he is he ready? Uh, maybe. maybe I think he is going. Wedge Wedge does like to bring his A game at big tournaments. Wedge won a World yeah. Starlight last year. Yeah, he does like a World Starlight. I reckon Wedge will have something made that'll be quite lovely. Hmm. Alternatively, last year at Blackwater, he played uh, a pillage deck before pillage decks were. Hmm. Were reinvigorated yeah. by myself. <laughs> well, maybe he'll try <laughs> pillage deck again this year. In which case, yeah. Greyjoy may win. So that's a that's a double one for me. Yeah. Okay. Tony, but no, same to be honest, for you. Oh right, go on, Pill. Sorry. No, 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 I'm done. I'm done. Okay, Tony. Same questions for you. Have you got any comments or questions? Do I have any comments or questions? Um, well, bear in mind, I'm not going. Uh, like. Um, I'm tempted to ask you, you know, what Police Academy Six was called, but we're probably. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. We've probably gone down that. Uh, you don't know. God, disgust me. You're an organizer of a major tournament. You don't know what P- Police Academy Six was called. Was it something undercover? City <laughs> under siege. Undercover. City under siege. It had under in it. Mm-hmm. That's a third of the way. There you go. That um, was my question. <laughs> if you could tear a card apart, which card would you tear up? It would probably be maybe the High Tower. Oh, nice. Hightower's a dick of a card. There's there's a lot of votes for uh, Mace Tyrell here. Of course, yeah. And several for the Tyrell House card. Yeah. Um, so well, there are three for the Tyrell House card. One of them is Issian, and he says he's got the physical strength to do it. He just uses his mental strength to stop himself doing it. Uh, and then the second one is Issian's girlfriend, and then the third one is Issian when he registered for a second time because he had forgotten he had registered the first time. <laughs> uh, and now they're all in red because he's not sure he's coming. <laughs> I, tell, so, I tell you, if I, if I didn't enjoy playing Stark so much at the moment, I'd probably say the card I'd want to rip up would be Wyman Mandalay. I just think <laughs> he's, he's, he's so fucking good. I really enjoy how we're treating Issian and Monica as one person. With- Issian filled it in. Oh, 
<laughs> he clearly filled it in. Um, so, Tony, what is your favourite card? The Laughing Storm. Nice. Uh, I don't think there are any first edition cards here. I wrote a first edition card and then I thought it was too elitist, even though I'm the one that reads the form. <laughs> so I, I put Ariane. Uh, What's happening to you? Yeah. I know, right? Because <laughs> like Vince was looking over my shoulder. Um, Pots out yeah. Pots out Who's going to win? Who's going to win? Um, if I had to put some money on it, Dan Williams. Ooh, nice. See, Dan Williams' response to that question was, everyone will win because it's Blackwater Bay and taking part is winning. See, that's, that, that's the kind of thing a winner says. <laughs> Yeah. And who? Which faction's going to win? Tyrell. Yeah, that's I, a very popular. I wish answer. it. I wish it would. I wish it were not true. Unfortunately, uh, no matter how many fancy, um, fancy cohort decks that people come up with over the space of you know the next few days, uh, and I know there's some interesting kind of tar cohort decks out there, and I, I, I still think until another pack comes out, uh, Tyrell are still. Uh, a, ve- a well played Tyrell deck will still beat anything else I wish it were not true I really do but it's true but go on but if anyone's gonna if anyone can uh, can can do it um, Dan plays Tyrell now doesn't he he has recently yeah mm. yeah go Dan go Dan my money's on you mate come on I'm hoping that Dan will play my Stark deck to be honest but um, I know that I'm kind of a bit excluded from this because I've actually already um, submitted the form but I have thought of a far wittier answer to if you could tear a card apart, what would it be? Um, which would be my dad's master card because it's gotten, into, gotten us into a lot of trouble over the years. <laughs> oh dear. You, you didn't take this very seriously by the looks of it. The answer to your comment or question is no, Alex. Um, well, probably no. Uh, and he thinks Booker's going to win, which is probably a bit outlandish because, well, he's not registered. <laughs> so as far as I'm aware he's not going to come mm. um, my favourite answer other than those that we've already mentioned is uh, Rowan wants to blick, uh, rip up a Black Lotus yeah uh, oh, imagine the, the feeling value. imagine the feeling god <laughs> I might print off a paper copy of it just so we could do it yeah 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 little participation for him okay uh, so yeah if you haven't registered already do come along to Blackwater Bay um it will be cracking. Uh, you probably have only got about 24, 48 hours to make your decision by the time this goes up, but it's, it will be a good weekend. Um, do come along. Uh, we've also got some lovely little uh, historically inspired house cards and playmat. Playmat not yet spoilt. Um, so, yeah. And one of the other things to bear in mind is that London is a fantastic city with numerous opportunities, and one of the great attractions is the West End. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where you can see such things like Wicked. Yeah. Yeah, or, or the Abba, the musical. Yeah, or, or Jersey Boys, the, the one with Freddie Mercury. In. What you mean? We, we will rock, rock you. you. Yeah, yeah. The musical. or the Book of Mormon. Yeah, mm. uh, Bat yeah. Out of Hell, the musical. Mm. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. So going back to Alex's last question before we started talking about Blackwater, um, we all have our faction allegiances. Peel, you're known as a Greyjoy player. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm known as a Martell player. Alex recently has been known by a, as a start player. I is now a Night's Watch player. Previously was a Martell player. Um, but at heart, we all really like 
uh, Tony's original first edition faction. Oh yeah. And what faction? First. What faction was that, Tony? Baratheons through and through, mate. Yeah. Are you, are you a bit excited through. for some future Baratheon action? Always. If there's Baratheon action on the horizon, mate, I'm there. I remember my first um, major competitive deck was Baratheon Lion. Hmm. My first mention on um, Banter Behind the Throne was about my bullshit draw with a Baratheon Lion deck. Hmm. My first tournament deck was a Martell Alliance to Baratheon. And my first tournament winning deck was a Baratheon uh, Knights deck. And my uh, Nationals winning deck was a Baratheon Maester's Path. So, exactly. Uh, we, all love, we all love that. Definitely got a, definitely got a pedigree there. Hmm. Um Peel presumably has played a Baratheon card in the past. I have. Probably played a Stannis. Yeah? Yeah. You a bit, bit of a Stannis fan yourself? Well, he would. Uh, he was quite good at standing. You know, standing, standing for the truth. And uh, I think that's what's important in a leader. Yeah. Vigilant, <laughs> stealth renown, king, lord. That's the kind of man that inspires you to do things that are a bit... Beyond the call of duty. He is Azor High reborn. Yeah. So, you know, he is the... The, the, the prince that sword. was promised. The prince that was the promised. That's promised. the word I was looking for. His is the song of ice and fire. Mm. The song mm. of ice and fire. Mm. Specifically. And he just can't wait to be king. Stannis the Musical the history of Westeros is but the biography of great men. Their deeds are written in blood and stone from dawn to the wall and beyond. Aegon the Conqueror and his sister-wives forged the Seven Kingdoms and the Iron Throne itself. Brandon the Builder raised the wall that delivers us from pillaging wildlings and Lan the Clever built a dynasty on guile. But in recent years, my fellow maesters have written histories of another great man, King Robert of the House Baratheon, called usurper by some, the stag rose with eagle and wolf to cast off the shackles of the tyrannical dragon. But this is not his tale, but the tale of another, the second child born to Lord Stephen and Lady Cassana, but first in might, Valour, intellect, and some might say pedantry. His name is Stannis Baratheon, and this is his tale. When Robert rose against the Mad King, Stannis faced a difficult decision. From the ancestral seat of Storm's End, he tossed in turmoil through the night, considering his loyalties, weighing debts owed and grudges yet to be settled. But one question, a single question, lay most heavy on his brow. His brother, or his king, the stag, or the dragon. And that, dear reader, is where I now set my quill. All alone inside a place I once called home. Surrounded by the men Sworn to my brother But I'm alone Lord Robert's gone to war And I must hold Storm's end 
But now we're running out of food And Renly's driving me round the bend They say that when you grow up It's family before all But when your brother strikes his banners against the king Do you heed his call? They say I am a righteous man I do my duty for justice before all So what am I to do when I'm surrounded and Lord Tyrell's at my walls The stag or the dragon My brother or my king Whilst grape and rose Feast outside the walls My men all starve within The stag or the dragon I need another skin They say ours is the fury But my hopes are wearing thin When I was young I found a hawk injured in fight I nursed him back to health but he was limited in flight Sir Harbert said to leave him And I followed that advice Poor Proudwing was for dinner And I served him with some rice The Mad King called for my brother and now I can't abstain Proudwing needed me like Robert does And I will not fail again The King burned Lord Stark for treason When Prince Rhaegar stole the girl I can't ignore this anymore Courtney, let our banners unfurl The stag, not the dragon I know what needs be done Storm's end has never fallen And there's a war that must be won Stag and wolf will fight together And see the justice done Pass me another flagon And raise the stag and not the dragon So, Stannis had answered the first troubling question. But further quandaries awaited our future king. How was he to defeat the Tyrells that surrounded him by land and the red wine fleet that held ship Breaker Bay? How was he to feed the garrison and at the same time fulfil the oaths of lordship that bound him to those mighty people who call the Stormlands home? 
Long was the day that the men had gone without hope, and long was the day since they feasted. The stores were running low, as were Stannis's options. Since I've had an onion, long is the day I've dined. On a red or a white or an autumn champion, soon I will claim my right. To a ramp or a pearl or a chipolini, a leek or shallot or ramp. I will dine on the finest organic scallion and I'll dine on it tonight. Long is the day since he's had an onion, long is the day he's dined. On a red or a white or an autumn champion, we won't let him claim his rights. To a ramp or a pearl or a chipolini, a leek, a shallot or a ramp. He will dine on the finest organic skin, or we'll know from his farts or rights. Even in the face of such adversity, the bonds of friendship and chivalry between Stannis and his army, the very same bonds that bind the seven kingdoms of Westeros together, remained strong. 
particularly between Stannis and his most loyal friend, Sir Courtney Penrose. But those bonds were tested most terribly by the egregious and horrible famine that gripped Storm's End at that time. More powerful than the bond of friendship is the bond of kinship, of blood, and of family. Bonds which, it pains me to write, were oft honoured more on the part of Stannis than Robert. Stannis wept, for it seemed that another family was more dear to Robert than his own flesh and blood. Yes, the Starks had sunk their claws deep within Robert's heart. Stannis urgently awaited the aid of the scion of this family, Eddard Stark, aid which did not come soon enough. This was but the first of many delays, transgressions, one might say betrayals, on the part of the wolves of the North. But I do not have the light, the ink, nor the parchment for that part of the tale at this time. My voracious reader must await a later volume for that. We must return to Stannis's principal concern during the siege. Where are my onions? It's been a long time since I've had a taste. Where are my onions? Well, they're just the other side of Mace Tyrell. We've eaten cats, rats, and dogs, all the horses and frogs and crescent horns. We may dine on our dead. Where are my onions? Where are my onions? Someone bring them to me. Where are my onions? Red wine gives me a wink and taunts me every day. He shows me his onions, then he looks at me and throws them in shipbreak bay. I find shoe leather too bland, and I'd give my right hand for a taste of some shallots or ramps. Where are my onions? Where are my onions? Someone bring them to me. Where are my onions? I wish Ned Stark would break the siege. Should I have backed Eris? Instead of Bob, my lying brother in liege He promised storehouses full of crates of onions stacked tall Filled with red onions and scallions and leeks Where are my onions? Where are my onions? Someone bring them to me It is clear at this time that Stannis's mind was under considerable strain Chroniclers, nor those present cannot inform us exactly how Stannis dealt with this. Some have suggested that he may have turned to drink, as is the way of men in times of crisis. I, however, have another theory. I prefer to think that Stannis distracted himself with the japes of his friends, the good humour of the common soldier, and most importantly, a passion for the arts. Sir Courtney? Yes, my liege. Are you drunk? Where did you get the Don't wine? Don't you worry about the wine. I've written another song about onions. No, no. It's a rap. And as you well know, I, c I won't rap. So I need you to find somebody to rap for me. Right, my liege. I know just the man. Who's this? This, my liege, is Storm's Enzi. Ah, Storm's Enzi. Now, Storm's Enzi, there's, there's a bit of a tricky singing part, and I won't do tricky singing parts. You got anyone that can help me? Yes, my leech. Ed Shireen. 
hit it. Lord, please send me an onion, a red or autumn champion, a shallot or a ramp, a cipollini or a tissy leak, with onions and I swear, by the old gods and the new, I'll make you a knight, just get those onions past red wine. Yo. It's been too long since he's had his stop and jaw around a leak Not a matter of days, it's been motherfucking weeks Not a scallion or ramp, a humble shell that he's had Only horses and cats, cut with dogs, mice and rats Yes it's true it's had bread, but fam it has to be said My man needs onions, not to eat the flesh of the dead Mash your levels so dry, if only someone could try To get past pasta red wine, with an onion supply My man will knight you, man will fight you Forget your crimes, and hear me rhyme You could've stolen, you could've smuggled You spare your fingers, your honour doubled Just bring an onion Please send me an onion, a red or autumn champion, a shallot or a ramp, a cipollini or a tissy leak, with onions and I swear, by the old gods and the new, I'll make you a knight. Get those onions past Chris red tells wine. him a lot, but he can't have a shallot That till Ned breaks the siege, where there won't be any leaks But makes they preach to him, when he needs to teach to him That if Stannis believes, a red and white elegy On his dinner plate, Mason needs to stop the hate So we can appreciate that sweet juicy onion taste Will someone sleep through the siege, with a ramp for my leech So his hunger will ease, though his farts will increase Cause he'll have onions, lots of sweet onions All the juicy onions, plates full of onions Bring him an onion, bring him an onion Bring him an onion, onion, onion Lord, please send me an onion, a red or autumn champion, a shallot or a ramp, a cipollini or a tissy leak, bring onions and I swear, by the old gods and the new, I'll make you a knight, just get those onions past red wine. Like all great historians, I must ensure my work is considered, adequately scoped, and unbiased. Thus, I turn my attentions to the opposing force in this conflict, the loath and lazy Tyrells and Redwines. Readers may be aware that the Tyrells are considered a great house. Indeed, some scholars of the Reach extend the same treatment to the Redwines. Sadly, they did not live up to this reputation during the campaign at Storm's End. While Stannis stood, perched like a proud hawk, ever vigilant upon the walls of Storm's End, the grape and the rose sat gorging and feasting, preferring, as cowards oft do, to avoid a clash with an able military commander, and to starve him out instead. However, a small ship was on its way towards the siege, crewed by a daring band of smugglers, with enough food to last several months. It would take some skill to make it past Paxter Redwine's naval blockade, and these were treacherous waters, but the smugglers were captained by a man soon to be renowned throughout the Seven Kingdoms, and he had his eyes on the prize. Gotta keep quiet, gotta be stealthy, or pack 
Next the red wine's gonna hang me Salador asked me why I'm going I said hey man I'll just keep on rowing All I can afford is a bowl of brown Cook me any more rats and I'd rather drown So I said to him I'm gonna tell you straight I've gotta get this to Stannis and I can't be late If I can stealth past Baxter I'll save the siege And maybe that will get me a generous lead just gotta keep on rowing this boat Well, I'm struggling to keep this siege afloat Don't worry, Stannis, it'll be fine Cause cooling all down is breaking the line I'm bringing you quails that are drowned in oil Serve them with carrots and bring it to the boil Serve them with a nice little slab of cheese This camembert's gonna bring you to your knees Critics have said it can be quite dry So I put you some whiskey that's distilled from rye I fought in live hands hidden in a trunk But I threw them overboard cause I would've sunk Just gotta keep on rolling smoke When I'm struggling to keep this siege afloat Don't worry, Stannis, it'll be fine Cause cooling all down my is breaking the line Tyrells catch me, I'll be dead And I couldn't give you this sourdough bread It's a delightful sight for a stew of stone And it's ballast helping me keep the boat afloat I've got fish and pheasant and partridge too With some profiteroles Maya made for you Serving with fresh fruit or creme on glaze With this fine hall you'll be feasting for days Whilst the easily confused Lord Redwine and his men feasted, drank and sang of Lord Tarly's minor victory at Ashford, little did they know that salvation was on its way to those poor, starving souls at Storm's End. Now lads, I'm going to have to go up front and steer the ship, because we're getting close to the time of fleet, right? Right. But, before we set off, I was meant to tell you about the three cardinal rules of smoke, so I better tell you them now. Rule one, be quiet. Rule two, don't sleep with Salador's wives. Rule four, be quiet. Rule three, don't get caught. And rule five, be quiet. Right. Your hands. 
Who brought the dog? We don't eat those in Westeros. For God's sake. Get off the fuck on! Why have we even got that? His name is Craven. Wesley! He likes what Wesley! What? No spoilers! How do you even get reception out here? It's in the plenty of nowhere! Turn it off! Turn it off! Fuck's sake! Fucking morons! Last time I go out with a crew. I've returned from shore, I think I'll find a happy man. I find the siege going well and quite to plan. Lord Tyrell is so pleased with me for keeping control of the sea. Let's open up a bottle, have some tasty breathe, the war is won, you see. Randy beat them with our mace, the usurper scared. In himself and Hocus lays, and as we speak, Prince Rhaegar marches to the trident. Then he charges presence, King with Robert's carcass, smiley face. And Lord Stannis has no onions and is very sad. And the spies report the crescent's going slowly mad. Cord knows Penrose is less vigilant and stamping out the dissidents. Surrender seems so imminent, I'm very glad. That sounds lovely, sir, and we find we must admit that sitting on this ship is getting pretty shit. So pass the other red that you have brought from the Sure, we'll have a glass and then another much and more. Yes, have a few, you've deserved it to be sure. And have some gold, I know this war has been a bore. But there's nothing that can beat us now. Wait, what is that upon the bar? Oh, fuck a smuggler, why and how I'm for it now? The smuggler Davos, soon to be Sir Davos Seaworth, known by some as the Onion Knight, had braved the tides of Shipbreaker's Bay, broken the red wine line, and reached the shore with a bounty of food and drink fit for even Robert's plate. Davos was received kindly by Stannis for his efforts that day, and his leal service would not go unrewarded nor his past crimes unpunished. Whilst Davos would eventually rise to the position of Hand of the King, he would learn that day that good deeds do not wash out the bad, and that Stannis would indeed bring justice to Westeros. <laughs> Who goes upon the shore? Stop, all oh, you weary sea vows and more. Sir Knight, I've come to meet your Lord Liege, but better for you, I've come to feed the siege. No, stop, you spy. You're clearly an urchin 
the red wine scent you'd do a sin so go cast off throw your food in the bin our men may starve but trust me we will win Courtney what's this a man upon the shore stop or you will lose your head and more Why are you here? My lord brought you beer Well then, my friend, come and sit with me For you have naught to fear So tell me what you've brought Or your journey's been for naught my lord brought you lamb, and some honey and ale glazed ham. But hark, I see some pens. My lord, they were filled with hens. But we threw them overboard, or we'd have sunk at the murmur's ford. Well, that is pretty fair, but did you bring us pears? More than that, some apples too, and cake that my girl baked for you. Great, great hall that will be missed, how did you come by this? Well, the golden or the wineskins I stole from the Lord Tywin. But what about the flower? Well, I stole that from High Tower. And the cornflakes and the maize, well, I stole that from the phrase. Well, what about the bread? If I told you I'd be dead. You mean you stole from Baratheon? Oh, well, yes, but here's onion! <sighs> well. You know that's my weakness, but I'm known for my fairness. I'll take the food for a fair sum, but then I'll take your thumbs. All these years you've had your way, by the laws of men you'll pay. You've stolen and you've smuggled by the gods I'll have your knuckles your treaties your apologies they don't matter much to me the laws of men they matter most so my dear Davos put your hand upon the post but no Malish I broke this goddamn siege your men they won't stand for this, for you are a man of justice. My dear Davos, you're right. I must make you a knight. I know you're not of noble birth, but from now on all will know your worth. But the good does not wash out the bad. If I thought otherwise, I'd be mad. I've given you titles, I've given you land Now, Sir Davos, give me your hand Fair, my lord Stannis I must have one final word For the man who passes sentence 
must be the man who swings the sword. Wise words, where did you hear them? Well, I heard it from the stocks. Well, Sir Courtney, fetch my cleaver. I'm about to make my mark. What fuck? Bolstered by the provisions brought by the newly knighted Sir Davos Seaworth, Stannis and the garrison at Storm's End survived until Eddard Stark, the aforementioned Lord of Winterfell, arrived to relieve the siege following the Battle of the Trident and the liberation of King's Landing. However, the Tyrells could not concede without inflicting one final slight on our Lord Stannis dipping their banners to Lord Stark rather than their stoic and victorious opponent. For his fealty and leal service to the king at this time, Robert awarded Storm's End to Renly Baratheon and Dragonstone, the seat of the Targaryen kings of old, passed to Lord Stannis. Many years passed and Stannis continued to loyally serve his elder brother as master of ships chasing the Targaryens from Dragonstone and crushing Victorian Greyjoy, Admiral of the Iron Fleet, off the coast of Fair Isle during the Greyjoy Rebellion. However, other historians have documented the events of Robert's reign. This history must continue from the point of John Arryn's death. Stannis returned to his wife with troubling news, and the future king's true mettle was to be tested. My liege, welcome home. How was King's Landing? Sir Davos, my dear friend, there is much and more that troubles me. John Arryn is murdered by the Lannisters most like, and I fear for my brother. The pit of snakes that is King's Landing will be the death of him. Well, that is troubling. But things are bad here too, my lord. Your wife's brought a foreigner here, who claims she can see the future. And what do you think of the claims, Sir Davos? Well, I don't bloody like him, or her much, my lord, pardon, pardon my speaking. But the Lady Solis insisted you meet her as soon as you arrive, and I won't want to tell her otherwise. Ah, here she comes now. Bonjour, King Stannis. I am Melisandre de Hachai. King? That title belongs to my brother. Not for long. I have seen it in the flames. You are the one true king, born amid salt and smoke. Azora High reborn, and I am here to guide you in the wars to come. Be brave, my king, for the night is dark and full of terrors. For King Stannis is the prince that was promised, and his is the song of ice and fire. My name is Stannis, I am the Manis, and I will always trade your onions for my gold. His name's Seaworth, he's of low birth, but he will always do what's needed for his liege. Her name is Mel, she's pretty swell, but if you cross her then she'll burn you at the stake. 
I'm King Robert's younger brother Fourth in line for the throne ruling at Dragonstone Because ours is the fury It's Stannis the Musical Stannis the Musical was written and performed by Martin Timke, Dave Bamford and Alex O'Feeworth. Stannis Baratheon was played by Dave Bamford. Sir Davos Seaworth was played by Alex O'Feeworth. Sir Courtney Penrose, Ed Shireen and Storms Enzi were played by Martin Timke. Paxter Redwine was played by Oliver McDonnell. Melisandre was played by Vincent Toole and the voice of Maester Pylos was provided by Martin Lewis. <laughs>